0: All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome, welcome. This is Wednesday. I think it's Wednesday. Nope, it's Thursday. That's how bad I am at days. Uh, a little bit late on this one. This is the January thirtieth. Uh, we are going to be breaking down the Fight Night card, UFC Fight Night one hundred sixty-six, or UFC on ESPN plus twenty-four. Uh, Dos Santos versus Bla- Curtis Blades. It was a great fight card. Uh, unfortunately, we do not have another fight card this weekend because it is Super Bowl weekend. I think this might be the first weekend that the UFC has backed down from competing with the with the NFL. Usually, they don't give a flying fuck what, <laughs> what day it is, who's uh, who's playing, if it's the Super Bowl, AFC Championship weekend, NFC Championship weekend. They usually don't care, but. I think because of the lack of star power that they have in the UFC at this moment, and just based on who has fought and who hasn't fought, uh, where everybody's sitting with injuries and everything like that, I just I feel like they couldn't put a uh, good enough card together. And let's be honest, John Jones, which is the next card coming up, he's not going to be able to rival the NFL and and, and, and uh, the Super Bowl. It's just not going to happen. He's not not big enough of a star. I mean, he's a big star, but he's not like Conor McGregor, uh, Ronda Rousey was, anything like that. You need to be that big to be able to rival the NFL and Super Bowl weekend. At least I'm pretty sure it's Super Bowl weekend. If not, I don't know, because I don't give a shit about other sports anymore. But here we go. Let's get right the fuck into it. Uh, we had Herbert Burns defeating Nate Landwehr. I don't know how to say that last name, but this was a great this was a great fight. Uh, Herbert Burns, I think it was his first fight in the UFC, and he just came in uh, a Brazilian dude, I believe, and he just came in and just bop hit him with a flying not a flying knee, but it was a, a knee against the cage. Uh, he his back was actually to the cage while the guy was coming in, hit him with a knee. It was beautiful. It was it was really 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 fun to watch that was an intense fight only lasted like two minutes and 30 seconds a little bit longer 243 looks like uh yeah, i i love fights like that where it's just right out of the game boom intense uh there was a lot of decisions on this card holy fucking shit uh next up we had brett johns uh i actually don't know this guy i don't know a lot of these new up-and-comers Unfortunately, this guy's from Cage Warriors and Titan FC, so that's definitely a good funneling pool to be coming into here. Looks like he, ooh, wow, yeah, yeah, he's been facing stiff competition. He faced Aljamain Sterling and Pedro Munoz in his last two fights before this one, before winning, and that—that's that. Those are two of the best in the entire world at that weight class at a bantamweight. Yeah, bantamweight 135. So. For him to bounce back and to get a finish in the third round, a nice rear naked choke. Uh, it was it was a good fight to watch. It was a good fight. I only remember catching the end of it. Uh, I was I think I was making food or something like that, but it was good. It was really good. And then next up, we had Sarah McMahon and uh, Lena Landsberg. This was Sarah McMahon's return fight to the UFC, if I remember correctly. She uh, took a little break off, like a couple years yeah, yeah. Almost two years. She took a break off. Yeah, it's her return. Just, I think it was due to injuries. Uh, maybe she got flagged for something. I can't remember. Oh no, it was maternity leave. Okay. Wow. Wow. Okay. And then she had an injury after she was supposed to face Nico Montano. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Sarah McMahon's a fucking beast. It, it, she won by decision, but it was a dominant, dominant decision. Lena Landsberg didn't even have, stand a chance. Like, it should not... One of the judges scored at 3027. No. No. The judge that scored at 3025 makes a lot more sense. She, it, it, there's just no chance for Lena to even do anything in that fight. Uh, I don't know if she's going to be able to make a title run or anything like that in the bantamweight division, but she looks good looks really good she's a really great uh, wrestler so anything's possible with a wrestler in that division if you're really good at wrestling you can definitely get to the top the top so not too shabby not too shabby and we had Montel Jackson versus uh, Felipe Corrales this and again, another decision. The rest of these on the preliminary card were all decisions. It was kind of unfortunate. I don't mind decisions, but it's not always the best to hype up the next portion of the card, especially when it's when there's any huge names on there. Curtis Blades and Junior Dos Santos. You know, they're fairly big names, but I mean, no one's no one's just like absolutely waiting and just needs to see them fight. You know what I mean? It's just like yeah, yeah, great fight, but. Eh that's why this was a fight card and not a pay-per-view you know what i'm saying you know what i'm saying but uh, i don't honestly i don't even want to talk about the rest of these fights i'm just gonna be honest i'm just gonna skip the only other one that i want to talk on the preliminary was arnold allen and nick lentz so this was a very unfortunate fight like nick lentz lost and i like nick lentz a lot i don't really have a, a dog in, in the fight between arnold allen and nick lentz but there was a really bad eye poke I believe it was towards the end of the second round, somewhere in the second round, Arnold Allen poked Nick Lentz in the eye so... Like, you could see... He went, like, two knuckles into his eye. It was insane. It was just... It, it hurt to watch, and the rep didn't see it. So Nick didn't get any, any type of a recovery time, which is, uh, you usually... For those of you guys that do not know, if you get poked in the eye or kicked in the groin, that is an illegal strike. And because of that, you are usually allowed upwards of five minutes if the ref sees it but in this case unfortunately he did not see it the ref I can't remember who was refing it but ugh, dude you got to do better than that he wasn't able to see it and Nick Lens had to fight with essentially one eye the rest of the fight and that's going to be very difficult to do he was he was it wasn't a dominant fight on either on either buddy on either side obviously but it was still fun to watch I just really wish that the eye poke didn't happen it's always very unfortunate I think that they need to do something about the glove design. It, it makes it too easy to fully extend your fingers out. Obviously, like John Jones, there's a few people who are known for this. Uh, they just need to start taking a point right away if you poke somebody in the eye. Or they need to change the, uh, the design of the gloves, make them more curved. They used to have them in Pride. Uh, if any of you guys used to watch Pride, for those of you that don't know, Pride was a huge organization in the, uh, early to mid-2000s, uh, even into the late 2000s, I think that's, uh, when the UFC bottom was around 2009-2010, possibly, maybe a little bit later, uh, But they were even bigger than the UFC, if you can imagine that. I mean, at the time, you know what I mean? MMA wasn't as large. But they had a different style of glove where it made you curve your hands in. So it was a lot harder to poke somebody in the eye during those times in the Pride. Pride FC, Pride Fighting Championships. But it's just an unfortunate thing that's going to happen if you do not make sure that these fighters keep their fucking hands closed. Especially people like John Jones. John Jones just paws at people and... I, I I personally don't really like the way that Jon Jones carries himself, so the way that he carries himself, it leads a lot of people to believe that he does those eye pokes on purpose. You decide for yourself. I think he does. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's get back to the card. The main card was, uh, was pretty good. Definitely not as many decisions. There was like two out of five of the fights were decisions, but again, I don't really care about decisions. I just want to see a good fight. It could be all decisions, but as long as they're all good fights, I don't give a fuck. But a lot of the casuals and fight fans who just tune in to see some blood and gore—they just want to see some TKOs, knockouts, and submissions. Which I can't blame them. You know what I mean? Can't blame them. That's the most exciting part of the sport. Uh, we had Jam- uh, Jamala Jamal, Jamal, Jamal Jamal Hill, and uh, Darko Stojic. That was a pretty good fight. Uh, I honestly thought Darko was gonna win, but he. He lost a fairly. It nah, wasn't really that close. Uh, he got. He, there was a 10-8 round for sure, uh, in my opinion. For Jamal, I think it was the second. Second round was 10-8. If not, the, it was either first or second round was 10-8. I might be wrong. It's all just like one blur when I'm watching fights because I believe there was also the. Bellator fight, yeah, the Bellator card, which I was watching as well, I was watching them simultaneously, so it's kind of hard to keep track of what was going on with those, I kind of want to talk about that fight card as well, since we do not have one to preview, so, remind me, even though nobody's here, remind me to talk about that Bellator card, hopefully I will remember, if not, whoopsie daisy, uh, <laughs> it was a decision, good fight, uh, I definitely want to see more of, uh, Halls Hill, I-, I hope I'm saying that fucking name right, I'm really bad at this, uh, yeah, I really, I really would like to see some more from him. It was, it was a good, good fight. And then uh, my my girl Hannah Cipher, she's so she's so soft spoken and nice, and I like fighter, I like uh, female fighters that are like that because it usually they are vicious in the cage when they are soft-spoken and they're very quiet and nice they're usually really really intense great fighters and that's what hannah cyphers is she likes to make it a brawl get on the inside especially since she's not super tall or lanky for that for that division for the women's stride weight uh, unfortunately, she lost to Angela Hill, which isn't a, isn't a bad thing. Angela Hill is a veteran of the sport. She was Invicta Champion, I believe. <clears throat> yeah, Invicta Champion. She's had her struggles in the UFC, obviously. It's just kind of back and forth. But she's won her last two, which is really good. And honestly, like Hannah Cyphers is a very good fighter, in my opinion. Uh, a lot of people sleep on her just because she is so soft-spoken and whatnot. Uh, she's she's only really lost to like high like at least in the UFC she's only lost to high level people like Macy Barber people were saying that she's the next John Jones of the female division blah 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 she obviously hurt her knee and lost to uh, Roxanne Modafferi which was also a good fight but the her only two losses in the UFC are from very top high level competition, So, you, you can't really blame her for it. It happens. Uh, she's still young in the sport. I think Hannah, Hannah Cyphers is hella young, if I remember. She's, like, yeah, she's she's 27. So, she's not even in her prime yet. She still got plenty of time in the UFC. Plenty of time. But she lost. She got mounted. And it didn't really seem like she had any answer for it. I don't know if it was just because Angela Hill is so good in that position. But it... It makes me think that that uh, Hannah needs to work a little bit on her ground game, particularly off of her back, which most UFC fighters need to do. Most of them, most UFC fighters are not comfortable on their back. I can only think of a couple who are comfortable off their back, uh, off the top of my head. That, and they're usually obviously jiu-jitsu practitioners, high-level jiu-jitsu practitioners, black belts, or uh, some of the brown belts are pretty pretty comfortable off their back. But usually it's black belt or higher and particularly a certain subsect of uh, jiu-jitsu fighters. The 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu fighters are usually amazing off of their back. So if you know anything about 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu, a little breakdown if you don't. 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu is start, was started by Eddie Bravo. Eddie Bravo is one of the more famous jiu-jitsu practitioners outside of Brazil, outside of the Gracie family. He actually uh, tapped one of the Gracies in a, in a match. Uh, very good, amazing, amazing jiu-jitsu match. I can't remember which crazy it was. Henner? Henner? Henner, maybe? Um, it was an amazing, amazing Brazilian jiu-jitsu matchup. I love watching BJJ. A lot of people, again, a lot of people don't, but I'm a purist. I love it all. Anything that has to do with MMA, grappling, striking, everything, I love it just enjoy watching it and so that particular subsect of jiu-jitsu is very good off their back because Eddie Bravo developed what is called the rubber guard and the rubber guard is when you put when you are laying on your back and somebody is in your full guard which means you have your legs wrapped around them, you pull one of your legs towards your face. And so it essentially like spider webs them. And it makes it very difficult for the person on top to advance their position, to posture up, and to try to attack you with strikes. It makes it very difficult, especially if that person on top of you is mainly a wrestler. They usually don't know what to do. I mean, of course it's MMA nowadays, so everybody knows what to do with the rubber guard you would think, but there are still people who get trapped up in that, and there's, it's, there's a lot of sweeps that you can do, there's, like, omoplata sweeps that you can do from the rubber guard, you can hit them with the triangle choke, you can, there's so much you can do, it's a very versatile position, and so, I... I think that the people who practice this usually are more comfortable off of their back. And you could tell people like Tony Ferguson, that's a 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu guy. He will sit on his back the entire fight and just fuck you up with elbows and throw up submissions. You know what I mean? It, that's, 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 that's just the style. It's just how it goes. So I think if Hannah Cyphers does some more stuff like that, she practices her ground game, particularly off her back, she'll be fine. Like I said, she's still young. It's not a big deal. Next, we had uh, Alex Perez and Jordan Espinoza. This was a really good fight. And the way that it ended was very interesting. Ah, sips coffee. Uh, What happened was, you know, it was just a normal fight, first round. Uh, It gets taken to the ground, and then Alex Perez starts advancing his position. And he gets him into half guard, which is uh, hit one of their legs in between the two of yours. So you're not... You're not in their guard, like I was talking about earlier. You're not if you're on top. So Alex Perez, who was on top, he did not have. He was not fully in the guard, so he had him in half guard, and he started to apply what is called an arm triangle choke. So essentially, uh, on this on this one, it was his left his left arm, and he had him in a headlock. Whatever. I'm trying to trying to make it as easy as possible for people who don't understand MMA. You ha- uh, put him in, in like essentially in a, in a headlock, and because of the position he was in in, ha- in half guard, instead of side control for for arm triangle chokes, you really, really want to be in side control because then you can apply the mo- most pressure. You can turn your hip in, and and f- so like if you're on there, if you're on their right side, you turn your left hip in, and it applies more pressure, and it squeezes and pushes your shoulder down into their. Uh, into their artery it's a blood choke it's not a it's not an air choke it's a blood choke and then essentially this guy has such fucking crazy grip strength and just just an, an amazing an amazing just uh, he, he's like an anaconda dude it was beautiful to watch from the half guard chokes this dude out i don't remember if he went out completely but if he didn't go out completely he was fucking close it was close in his head looked like he was gonna pop it was really impressive and of course he got fight of the night bonus or performance of the night which was definitely yeah he needed he deserved that 100 percent for sure it was uh it was impressive to see especially from that position it's so hard to choke somebody out from that position so hard uh so his squeeze is just next level uh and it's a good flyway okay i'll throw the ball for you there you go sorry guys oh shit, my bad yeah go get it go get it go get your ball sorry guys my dog needs attention. I love her, and she needs a little bit of attention right now. She just wanted me to throw the ball for her. Yes, I love you. I love you. I love you. All right. So hold on. Next we have Michael Kiesa versus Rafael dos Anjos. This was a great fight. I really enjoyed this fight. Uh, it, sh- it was it was a good uh, gauge to see where Michael Kiesa is in this welterweight division and 170 pound division because he's he's been in 155 for most of his career, which I have no idea how he made 155. Obviously, a lot of the time he didn't make it. There is actually only like one. Wow. I thought he missed weight a couple of times. It looks like he only missed weight one time against Anthony Pettis and lost. Uh, He was probably super drained. Oh, shit. Uh, But this was a really good fight because to be able to control uh, Rafael dos Santos like that, it's really impressive. He's uh, one of the toughest fighters in the UFC uh former 155 pound champion moved up to 170 was tearing through people and then just kind of lost his edge he has a problem with these wrestlers at 170 particularly because of how big they are uh that it's gonna give trouble to anybody who's moving up from 155 up to 170 these big powerful wrestlers it's gonna be very difficult and especially with michael Chiesa, he's not only big and powerful he's really fucking long and so other times where people would just like pin you against the mat. He can pin you against the mat and grasp his arm with his other arm. So he can reach around in these crazy ways and clasp his hands together and hold you tight like an anaconda. Tight, tight, tight. It's really interesting to watch. So I'm really, really excited to see where he goes from here. Michael Chiesa called out, uh, what's his name? Colby Cummington. I don't think Colby will take it. Maybe they'll force him because Colby did just lose the lose the title fight. Um, but I don't, I don't, I really don't know how it will go. We'll see, we'll see if they fight. I think it'll be a great fight because Colby has, I think Colby has better hands. He's better uh, stand up than Michael. But Michael Chiesa has really good jiu jitsu, so we'd, it would be a really good grappling match if it would even get to the mat. You never know. Colby Covington might be able to just stop everything, and keep it standing, and then fuck Michael Kiesa up, but it's honestly a very interesting fight, I would love to see it, I wanna see everybody fight everybody, that's all I want, I just like, I wanna see all the fights, every single fight possible, I wanna see him, next we got the very, very final fight of the night, which I, I thought this was a great fight, it was very interesting to watch, especially the way that Curtis Blades It's obviously the Curtis Blades versus Junior Dos Santos fight. Uh, Curtis Blades did a really good job setting up his strikes with his takedowns. And the way that he won this fight was dipping down for a takedown, making uh, Junior Dos Santos flinch. And uh, it looked like Junior Dos Santos was going for an uppercut to try to counter the takedown. And then Curtis Blades just hit him with a beautiful one-two. Obviously, if you don't know what a one-two is, it's a jab straight right. And he hit him with it hard, hard, right on the jaw both of them. And uh, pretty much just TKO'd him standing up. I don't, I don't think he dropped to the ground, but like he was out. He was out on his feet, and it wasn't gonna end well. Especially somebody like Curtis Blades. He was gonna probably do what he usually does when he has somebody hurt: pin him up against the fence, beat him up, then go for the takedown, and then finish him with elbows. He's really good at that. And so the the referee, I believe, saved Junior Dos Santos a couple of cuts from those nasty elbows. There's a reason. I mean, dude. Curtis Blades is a perfect name. Blaze. Razor Blades? Yeah, those elbows are fucking razor blades. He will cut you open. But it was a good fight, and now he's calling for a title match. Like, dude, you are below somebody who's beaten you twice. They should get the title fight before you. I'm sorry. Like, you're you're a great fighter, but three wins in a row two of them are people who are never gonna be I mean maybe Justin Willis Justin Willis no 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 Justin will I'm thinking of I'm thinking of uh, will uh, Walt Harris Justin Willis is never gonna be a title fighter um, this crazy Russian dude maybe he would but uh, the way that uh, he's been fighting uh, Shamil uh, Abdu, whatever I don't think that he's like a He's not a title title contender. I mean, he lost to Derek Lewis. Like it's, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't think he's anything crazy. But you never know. You never know. But I. I, I don't. I, I. would be upset if they gave Curtis Blades the uh, title title match with Stipe Miocic over the rematch with uh, Daniel Cormier. I think Daniel Cormier deserves a rematch or over Francis Ngannou, who is going to be fighting uh, Jarzyno uh later on this year. If you give it to Curtis Blades over them, people are going to be upset. And especially since Curtis Blades isn't really normally knocking people out and stuff. He's just kind of wrestle-fucking them, and for the no- normal fan, they don't really enjoy that. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay, so there was two two particular fights that I wanted to talk to you guys about on the Bellator, Bellator card. The first one was... Uh, Chris Cyborg. It was her first fight outside of the UFC. From well, I mean, since she went to the UFC, first fight out outside of it um, because of the negotiation negotiations fell through. A lot of that has to do with just how hard it is to find matchups for uh, Chris Cyborg, and it also has to do with I don't know if you guys saw this. They essentially like did a, a video fake uh, for. For uh, against Dana White, they made it sound like he was saying some really fucked up shit, even though that's not what he was saying. They were putting subtitles under it. Like, it, it was very shady stuff. I don't think Cyborg had any part in it. I think it was her dumb fucking shit boyfriend who was always being an idiot on the internet and just ruining Cyborg's career. Uh, if we're being 100% honest, like, I, I think that it's his fault that a lot of this is going down, and the reason that Cyborg isn't as huge of a star as she should be. And it's just the way that he he handles her social media and all these other things. It's really unfortunate because Cyborg is one of the greatest female fighters of all time. And she's not going to get her due uh, because she's not going to be in the UFC. And yeah. She got whooped by Amanda Nunes. wasn't ever to, wasn't ever able to get the rematch. Uh, we'll see in the future, but I I, I doubt she's ever going to be coming back. I think she's going to finish her career over there at Bellator. Uh, but she beat Julia Budd, I believe. Yeah, Julia Budd, uh, who has can cannons for arms. She's huge for for a female fighter. She's got big arms, and she lost in the fourth round TKO. It was a good fight, but Cyborg just swarmed her. She fought a a, a lot smarter fight she was picking her spots a little bit better um, yeah it, it, it was it was just a way better a way better example of how she should be fighting and yeah it, it was it was great to see I did I did really enjoy watching that fight but no one's ever gonna consider. Cyborg the greatest of all time until she comes back and beats Amanda Nunez, and I don't think that's gonna happen. So it feels bad. And then uh Aaron Pico Uh fought on that as well. He won, obviously, if you uh watched it or anything like that. He won with a, a weird left hook. It landed weird. It landed almost like a uh like a stiff arm in football. Uh knocked him out. He almost hit him with like the forearm or like the the bone of his wrist it wasn't it was weird and then hit him with a hammer fist he was out cold so it's always good to see aaron pico uh, on the uh, winning side of the of the fight because just, he's been having a lot of issues particularly with getting knocked out by crazy up-and-comers so he yeah, he just needs to be a little bit smarter with the way that he fights and i think he'll be fine he'll be coming on the come up and potentially be a champion later on um hmm yeah i think that's that's it that's it this is a little bit short one uh, obviously because we don't have the uh, ufc coming up this next time this next weekend but as always it was amazing breaking down these fights for you thank you so much for listening if you were listening to this all the way through i really appreciate all of you guys who support me not only on my twitch page twitch.tv slash thc donor but also here on the podcast thank you so much for listening Uh, Shout out to all my Twitch homies. Kovac, Mac, Blackest, Slayer, Decaf, Amali, Gear, all y'all. If I'm missing anybody, sorry. Team having fun. Uh, All y'all. Much love. Appreciate every single one of you. And until next time, bye.